This Wander Learn episode is brought to you by Sawyer, the guys who make water filters. I want to celebrate them because they have donated over a million filters to over 80 countries around the globe. These guys are not just in it for the money. They actually want to change the world and make drinking water that is potable, available for everyone. And here's the other thing that a lot of people don't think about is that filters actually reduce the amount of trees that are cut and the amount of fuel and gas that's used. You know why? Because when you go to places like Africa, Africans will use fuel and trees to boil the water to make it potable. And with an average family size of six people, a single Sawyer filter can save up to 500 trees a year. And these filters last for over 10 years and are reducing diarrhea by 90% in developing countries. Go help Sawyer use their products, spread the word, check out their website and what they're doing around the world. Welcome to the Wander Learn Podcast. I'm your host, Francis Tapon. I'm here with the famous Gary Arndt for the third time, and he's got a special guest with him, a cricket. Uh, yeah, if you can hear it. I I have a dynamic mic, so a lot of times you don't pick up a lot of the background noise, but I guess the cricket is loud okay. enough. Yes. <laughs> it's just one cricket just sitting there crying for a partner, I guess. Yeah, it's been an issue when I record my show, especially because I'll turn off the lights to stop you know any background humming of the lights. And then when you turn off the lights, it thinks it's dark, so it starts chirping. Um, Gary, you have started a brand new podcast, and I've become a total fan of it. And I want to just discuss it and get people aware of it. Uh, you've helped me many times in the past, and uh, you know I just want more people to be listening to your new podcast. So tell us the name, Everything Everywhere Daily. Yeah, that's the name of it. And uh, as the name implies, it's a... It's a daily show, and so I've, I, the, the term everything everywhere I've had with my travel blog since I started back in, in 2006, and uh, one of the smart things I did is I picked an extremely generic name that, that literally could be about anything, and right. I've, I did some other podcasting stuff in the past, but I never used that name for it. I did a, a show with CBS when they started a podcast network, and I purposely did not use the name because I didn't want a, them to have any claim on it. And then I had this idea for a show in the back of my mind that was basically just uh, a different topic every show, just something completely random uh, that people could learn something. And I originally had it designed as like a long form show. And I was, I had a list of shows ready. And the first one was going to be on explaining, it it wasn't going to be a travel show. It was going to be like a travel adjacent show is kind of how I explained it. So the first show is going to be explaining why the Mona Lisa was the most popular painting in the world. And I started doing research and I started reading about Da Vinci and I started really, you know, watching a lot of documentaries. Next thing you know, I had like a two to three hour show lined up and it was getting kind of ridiculous. And it was, wait, it was just just about the Mona Lisa only for two or three hours. Yeah. Well, I mean, sort of taking a sidetrack into like Leonardo Da Vinci, but it was going into the style he used and the painting. and, And then of course the modern day history, which is why it became famous. And I ended up condensing that into like 10 minutes for uh, the new podcast. So, so when the virus started and the travel industry basically disappeared, um, I kind of dusted off this show idea I had, and then I changed the format. Um, and it was primarily for for business reasons. And basically, if I know that people who've done daily shows, they tend to grow faster. They have you know seven times the number of downloads. Uh, because you're producing seven times the number of shows. Um, mm-hmm. So there, were, it, it's just harder to do when you're doing a daily show. Yeah. But I'm like, well, I'm not doing anything, so <laughs> why not? And I felt it was something that I could uniquely, because um, there's so many people starting podcasts now that I had to think of something that was, one, something I could uniquely bring to the table, something that wasn't necessarily being done, and I thought this kind of checked all the boxes. Uh, there's all sorts of like yeah. bizarre little facts and stuff that I've learned over the course of traveling and, and just because that's kind of who I am. So I felt I was uniquely positioned to kind of do a show like this. And a lot of it was just putting in the work. And everyone, you know, when I told them I'm doing a daily show. They're like, oh, wow, that's really ambitious. I'm really impressed. And I'm just like, well, 
that's why no one's doing a daily show. And <laughs> exactly. But then there was also just sort of the, I began realizing, well, if I did a daily show, uh, there's sort of a lot of ancillary benefits. So it's a scripted show. So I, I'm writing a, it, it ends up being about a one to 2000 word script every day. So mm-hmm. I'm recording. So you record the podcast and put it out. So that, that's one kind of stream. Then I take the script and I post it as a blog post on my website. So that's getting some sort of incidental traffic and, and, and stuff from that. Uh, then I'm taking the article or the transcript, the script of the show, and I'm putting it on Medium. And I'm embedding the podcast mm-hmm. in it, as well as links for people to subscribe to the show. Plus, you can earn money through Medium. It's not a lot, but it's it, it's mainly more a vehicle for getting people to subscribe. And then mm-hmm. I'm basically, if you think about it, you know, one to two thousand words a day roughly translates to a forty thousand word book that you're writing once a month. So I can mm-hmm. compile all the scripts together, put that on the Kindle store, and there's like the Kindle Direct program, and you can, you know, you're making an ebook every single month. And then from that, you could probably take the best of of all the shows you do for a year and then publish it as a real book once a year. Um, so it was, it was kind of a business decision as well that I have all these, I, I can create something and then I have multiple revenue streams and multiple marketing opportunities. I can take that same content and get something out of it. That's great. And uh, I had a strategic question because some people have said, I've heard that, it's not good to repost your content, you know, to like, for example, I used to write for Forbes regularly and I could, I had the right to post that same Forbes article that I wrote on my website. They let me do that. But some people said, you know, for SEO reasons, that's not good. If Google sees the same content reproduced, Don't care about SEO. they see it as spam. Okay. Uh, so I'm posting it on Medium simply because the audience on Medium is going to find things via Medium. And my primary mm-hmm. concern right now with the podcast is growing the podcast audience. So, and, and quite frankly, I think it'll perform better on my website because all the links and everything are pointing back to my website. But mm-hmm. the concern is, one, I can make money from Medium directly. And second, mm-hmm. I can grow the audience because they have the, a built-in audience on the website. So that's, that's my primary concern. I just don't care about the, the SEO part of it. And quite okay. frankly, another reason to do this is I think websites are just kind of done for, you know, it's not like I'm getting rid of my website, but everyone is using SEO as their primary traffic vehicle. And SEO, by definition, is a zero-sum game, right? There are 10 spots on page one for any search. And if you get on page one, someone's getting bumped off page one. And what I'm seeing because I follow a lot of uh, travel sites, um, you know, with my RSS feed, everyone is writing the same article now. We're all writing the same optimized list post, trying to get, you know, certain, you know, high traffic uh, searches. And uh, that that's all that's being done. If you wanted to write an opinion piece about something, or you have something to say, that is completely devoid now uh, with travel websites. No one has opinions because no one that that doesn't work for SEO. So um, I'm kind of I don't know. I'm just sort of done playing that game because there's just only so much room. And the biggest thing on top of it, put aside all the virus stuff, before the virus even happened, Google is now taking a lot of those travel searches for themselves. That if you do a search, they're keeping the traffic in house because they want to now start making money off flight and hotel booking. So they're cannibalizing, or I'd say cannibalizing, but they're just basically, a lot of those searches aren't even going out to, to websites anymore. So I just don't think it's a great approach going forward. I, I just don't see it as being a long-term vehicle for success. I think that that's kind of over. Um, are you talking about the Google snippets? The snippets are certainly a part of it, but they're trying to get people to book and stuff through Google. Right. By the way, for those who are listening, who are, not, who are listening, who don't know what a snippet is, is when you search for something for Google, and the answer pops up, and you actually don't actually have to go to an actual website. They pull from the website; they get the data from Wikipedia or wherever, um, but they don't. But it, you don't actually. It's have to actually leave more Google. than that. I mean, that's a big part of it. But they're literally 
doing their own booking stuff. So they're creating content where that's going to rank higher than you because they're Google. And so, and they, and they also, I think, have um, kind of a love affair with large companies. So it's gotten harder if you're an independent content creator. So, I mean, podcast aside, one of the things I'm also probably going to be launching soon is a dedicated email newsletter that has no web component at all. It's solely going to be an email list. Because if, 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 if someone wants to read an opinion piece or commentary or something like that, it's going to be far easier to you just send it out to them than it is for them trying to discover you on search. Right. And, and some people, I know this happens a lot in the financial world, that actually people charge money to get, I mean, it's a very, if they don't charge money, it's, it's kind of the only way you can hear Warren Buffett's thoughts. For yeah, example, I don't think that'll his, work in travel. Um, no, of course not. But but at least but there's some sort of exclusivity, I suppose, and and by making it email only, that you cannot get this content on the web. These are Gary's right. and know, thoughts. You know what I'm going to be doing with the email, and it, it probably the the podcast was a, a bigger priority because I needed to. The sooner I start that, the better, the quicker I can start growing the audience. The email stuff, I don't think people are going to start seriously booking travel. We're at least six months away from that. Um, maybe a little more, but I want to start growing the list for that time to come. And then one of the things I'm going to start doing, I mean, it, it, the, the target for the, the newsletter will be well-traveled people or people that tend to go to exotic destinations or, you know, do adventure travel and, uh, to work with a lot of the adventure travel tour companies. So if you wanted to go to Antarctica or, you know, the North pole or something like that, um, a lot of these companies will have discounts that they do to try to fill a, seats on a tour. Um, so to be able to offer discounts that are uh, happening, um, as well as other things that would pertain to, to people like that. So uh, it could be hotels or something in, in more exotic locations that want to bring in people. But basically, there's that's the kind of thing that it's not that searching I don't think is going to help you, especially if it's very time sensitive. So it'd be uniquely suited for an email newsletter. Now, let me just rattle off some of the, the titles. I really enjoy your show, um, your new podcast. Um, you talk about the, the title, The Empire That Never Existed. That was episode uh, one. Byzantine. Yeah. yeah, that's episode one, right? Uh, the Byzantine Empire that never was. Uh, the most dominant athlete ever. Uh, President Tyler's grandsons. The real Independence Day. When did the United States really become independent? And you talk about all the different... Uh, dates that we could potentially say uh, a, a classic question, which is how many countries are there um, and stealing the Mona Lisa. We talked about that a little bit and uh, time zone oddities, the army that ne never was uh, Jesse Owens versus Hussein Bolt. That's a, that's a great theoretical question. Like who would have been faster if everything were taken into account? Um, so just a, a, a plethora of different, ideas and, and, and subjects that somebody who's interested in many things uh, would really gravitate. And I think a lot of your reviewers on Apple Podcasts and other reviewing places, they all say something like, uh, Gary Arndt tells me all these things that I find fascinating that I didn't know I wanted to know. <laughs> That's really the whole point of the show. I, I've, at kind of a meta level, I've been thinking, thinking of starting a YouTube channel or something about this. I, I think we have a real serious problem in that um, I believe there are two things that are necessary for people to learn. One is you have to be literate. And, and we, by and large, do a good job on that department. You know, mm -hmm. We could certainly improve, but most people in the world are, can read. And the second thing is you need to be curious. And we fail yes. miserably at that. Um, so many people skate through school doing the minimum. They they complete the requirements. They may get a diploma or something. Uh, they don't really know anything from the classes they took. They have no desire to learn. And we live in a world today where there are more people who believe the earth is flat now than did 20 years ago. And that's due to the internet. We have more people believing in crazy global conspiracies and all sorts of other stuff. And I remember back in the 90s, there were all these theorists and futurists talking about the potential of the, the internet and what it could do. You'll be able to shop from home and, and work. And a lot of these have come true. 
And one of the things is, you all, you're going to be able to, you know, learn and take classes from all these great people. And it's like, you know, you can do that. You can take the first, second, and third semester physics classes from MIT for free online. For free. Now, you're getting kind of like an MIT education. You can actually, it's better than sitting in a lecture hall because you can, re, you know, go through it again and, and look at all sorts of notes. And no one takes advantage of this. Right. No one is or few. What? Yeah. And few, few. Yeah. And, and all this is available and we have this fantastic resource and no one is using it to, to learn, to better themselves. You can find, there's all sorts of gurus out there who will tell you how to lose weight and look better or how to make more money. And, you know, looks and money are, are things people want to focus on. But this idea of becoming smarter and more knowledgeable it's just as void because no one really cares about it. And I think that, uh, I think there's a market for some people and it has nothing to do with education. You know, my dad was the kind of guy that used to watch the history channel when it was actually about history. Right. <laughs> or the travel channel when it was about travel. Yeah, And you look at even those networks now and it's like, you know, reality shows that there's a, a, a definite market out there, or there's some great YouTube channels that focus on, you know, uh, just snippets of learning about things. And so, yeah, the goal is every day you'll learn about something that, you know, you probably or maybe didn't know about, and you didn't even know that you didn't want to, to, to know about it. Uh, you know, if there's, if there's a, a fact or something that you need to learn, you can go online and usually find that quite quickly. But then there's this universe of things out there that I didn't know that. And you would never, it's one of those things that you would never know unless you came across it, right? And uh, my goal is to just give you an opportunity every day to come across something new. Let me ask a technical question. Uh, why did you decide not to, or maybe you could not decide to take that CBS? You had the Global Travel Conspiracy podcast before. You had a lot of subscribers on it. And now you really. just kind of started from... Oh, really? Well, you, I mean, you had to start from, I mean, you had some, I don't know how many subscribers you had, but you had to start from scratch is what I'm saying yes. by creating this brand new podcast, which I would say, you know, anything is better than starting from scratch, which is, you know, why not just grab, even if you only have a, a hundred subscribers, that's better than zero. Because it, it was a, it's a completely different show. First of all, they canceled it. So I literally had to take all the files and move them to my own account. So I lost all of that anyhow. So I, I rebranded the show and never really restarted it. So it's on Spotify, but it only had like 50 people. And a clean um, start was just, was just easier to do, um, okay. to, to start it new. And it wasn't that big of an advantage. And I'm already well above that, so I'm not too worried. It's hard to start a, a brand new podcast. I only started mine uh, just over a year or so ago, and you and I we both started traveling roughly 12 years ago or so. And we both started blogs roughly around the same time. And we benefited from being that first mover advantage that we have. I mean, if you and I had to start a blog from scratch today, a travel blog, it would be a long, hard road. Yes and no. But the thing is, a blog meant something different 12 years ago. People would come to my website 12 years ago to see what I had to say. And I was using my website as social media. I was traveling and I would just post my thoughts at the end of the day. Hey, today I saw this stuff. And, you know, my, my titles for the articles were just, you know, me being cute and clever or, you know, some sort of lyric from a song or something like that. And you can't do any of that today. People don't use RSS anymore. So they're not necessarily following your site. Um, and so doing what we did 12 years ago isn't even possible today, right? Now, if someone wants to go travel, what are they going to do? They're going to set up an Instagram account and they're going to take selfies all over. And that's basically what they're going to do. Um, so, in bikinis, in bikinis, very important bikinis. Yes. Um, <laughs> so, and, and there's, there are a lot of new podcasts, but the vast majority of them die quickly because people don't put in the work. So there's, there's fewer podcasts than websites, so there's less competition to some extent. And then, like I said, I'm, I, I just wanted to do something different to set myself apart. So it's a scripted show, not an interview show, and it's a daily show. And I'm just doing these things, I think, that will um, hopefully find success in the long run. 
Um, what is your strategy on getting content? Because you must think about, okay, how am I going to be on my 1,000th show, for example? So before I launched the show, I created a list of about 150 different show ideas. And I've gone through some of them, and then I've added more over time. So I've, I, mean, I, got, I got it up in front of me right now. And I have readers are now start or listeners are now starting to send me ideas as well. Um, some of these were interesting ideas, but I don't know if I can make it into a full show idea or I may have to do something to like merge it with some other stuff. Um, so like uh, one of the things I have is something on the seven ancient wonders of the world. Uh, that would be an easy show idea. Another one I came up with was the origin of the Nike Just Do It slogan. I don't know if you're familiar with that. Uh, no, I don't actually know the origin of it. I know the origin, by the way, of how uh, Phil Phil Knight created the Nike shoe. I remember he it was had a waffle iron. A waffle yeah. iron, yeah. So I may have to merge it with he, that. But the, and, he had, the or- and he only had two colors, red and blue. <laughs> The origin of the slogan came from Gary Gilmore, who was the first guy executed in America after the Supreme Court uh, lifted the ban on the death penalty. And his last words before he was executed was, let's just do it. And one of the Nike execs heard this and turned it into their slogan. That's where it came from. And a lot of people don't realize that. No, I definitely don't realize that. And uh, I didn't even realize that the Supreme Court lifted was that in the 80s? No, or it was when in the 70s. Happen? So there was a... That's why okay. Charles Manson never got executed. Because he oh. he was sentenced to death, and then the Supreme Court stopped the death penalty, and then they overturned it. And this all occurred in the 70s. And uh, the first... Gary Gilmore was the first guy executed. He was uh, executed by a firing squad in Utah. And this was in 1976, I think. 77, around there. Is that a, f- a 100% fact that... that- Nike got it from let's from from Gary Gilmore. Yeah, the guy that... has talked about it in interviews. Uh, who okay, came up okay. with it? And I don't think it's something they they really publicized. But <laughs> right, <laughs> um, yeah. So I don't know if I can do. I maybe I would have to do an episode like on the history of Nike or something like that to to kind of mm-hmm. you know it's a fun fact, but thirty seconds more, I don't know what you can do. So there's a lot of stuff like that, and there are other things I've realized that. Well, it's kind of a visual thing, so I don't know if it would work on a podcast. So I had one, uh, one of my degrees is in math, and there's a famous proof about how some infinities are larger than other. And it actually involves no equations or anything. And Hmm. usually when you tell people this, their minds are blown because, you know, what's bigger than infinity? And when you explain, well, no, there are actually things larger than infinity. There are infinities bigger than infinity. It blows their mind, but you can actually sit down and prove it. And there's lots of videos online that that go through the proof. But it's kind of a visual thing that you have to, like, you know, show people. It's not like I said, there's no equations. It's not hard. You can explain it to almost anyone. And I realized that probably wouldn't go over really well. And I I had dinner with my, my mom and my aunts. And I was telling them this idea for a show and they just, their eyes glazed over. And I was like, yeah, maybe this isn't going to work. Now, most of your shows are roughly, I would say, seven to 10 minutes long or so, right? And and so have you thought about experimenting like on a three-minute show and maybe a 15-minute show? Uh, I don't think I would do three because when you factor in theme music and an ad and everything else then that ends up taking up a a huge part of Mm. it so i don't think i would do anything less than like i think my shortest show was six but usually it comes in at seven or eight i could go up to 15 um my show that i recorded yesterday was a bit longer it was i and that was an experimental show as well i explained the differences between european sports leagues and american sports leagues and it was really more of an explainer show uh, to explain promotion and relegation to like an American audience and then explain the American system to a European audience. And the, you know, there are positives and negatives to both. Another one I've thought about is ex- just explaining how the GPS system works. Because a lot of people think it has to do with the, the signal strength or something, and it, it doesn't uh, because that wouldn't work. And a lot of the flat earthers think that's how GPS works because obviously there can't be satellites. Um, so just to do a basic, you know, hold on, let's dive into that for one second. So you said that the the when you're saying signal strength, I thought it, it I thought it just has to do with how many um, 
satellites you are able to connect to at simultaneously. You need at least I don't know five or six. Uh, well, four is okay. the the minimum, but okay. right. But what are you what are you connecting to? What are they telling you that lets you determine your location? And the answer is time. Uh, that's mm. why each satellite has to have an atomic clock, and why the theory mm. of relativity. And the fact that when you're traveling at a faster rate, time goes at a different speed, they have to factor that into the satellites. Uh, otherwise, right. GPS literally would not work. Right. But we need, a, thank you, Einstein. Yeah. And, and <laughs> that's, um, but yeah, that literally then goes into your phone. And what it's doing is it's, it's analyzing the time differences to determine then the distance from you to the satellites, which can then figure out location. Right, so it's not right. just signal strength, because if you had a cloud or something that would, you know, factor it in, or if you're indoors, or if there was a leaf, uh, that would all affect signal strength, and then it, it wouldn't work. So you can't use attenuation to, to do that. You're predicting that in 2021 is when we're finally going to start to travel again, that this year is pretty much done, 2020 is pretty much done. Now, let's assume that that's correct, um, and you start to travel again. Now, originally, when I, well, well, when I talked with you uh, probably a few months or a year ago, I can't remember, um, you had said that you want to be kind of like a Rick Steves, you know, who travels like, I can't remember if you said half on, half off, or maybe I think he travels for like year. three months out of the year. I don't, know I don't know if you want to do three months, but I thought you said that you want to do six to nine months of travel. Maybe I miss, I'm not remembering. Uh, we'll see. <laughs> okay. Um, okay. So, but anyway, it was regardless whether it's three months or six months or nine months, whatever it is, how are you going to manage the, are you just going to batch record? Like I can record podcasts in a hotel room. Um, you know, if I, if I bring a microphone with me, the time consuming part, isn't the, the recording. It's the, it's the research, it's the research and the writing and the scripting. Yeah. So the scripting takes time. If I can grow the podcast to a certain level, then, you know, at some point I could actually hire someone to help with the writing process and write scripts. Um, so yeah, I could easily record a week or two of shows in a single day if I have, uh, everything written out as it is right now, I'm doing everything every day. So as soon as I'm done talking to you, I'm going to record. I'm still actually one day behind cause I moved. So I'm going to record yesterday's show today. Um, I think I'm going to do today's on the Roanoke colony that disappeared. Uh, oh, right. That's a fascinating Yeah, because I just saw an article that came out where someone had a, a very reasonable theory as to what happened uh, to the people in the Roanoke colony. Uh, the, the mystery was uh, it was the first British colony that they tried to establish in Roanoke, Virginia. And then they came back on a ship and everyone was gone. And the only words were Croatan that was carved into the, the wooden palisade. And um, they left, and then they just kind of never found out what happened. And the theory that this guy had is, well, they went to go live with the Croatan tribe. That, that's what the message meant. And afterwards, there a lot of that tribe had very European feature, features. They were raising pigs, which only would have come from Europe. Uh, there, there's other evidences that they brought some European tools and techniques with them. Um, and, and that's basically what happened is that they just uh, went to live with them. And because it was very early in the settlement of uh, the Americas, there wasn't a lot of animosity with a lot of the native people at that point. Uh, so they're still on pretty good terms. And, and that's, that was what basically happened. Interesting. So they didn't get wiped out or die of starvation or whatever. Uh, there probably got assimilated. was a great deal of death because that always happened with a lot of those initial colonies. If you read like about the pilgrims and the, the initial Plymouth colony, mm -hmm. I think like half the people died in the first winter. Jamestown, they also had similarly high death rates. But what and, and the reason they probably had to leave was because they had a large die off in the winter. And then the survivors went to go live with the tribe. Do you, by the way, have a problem that I have uh, sometimes when I do not talk about travel or backpacking and hiking that all of a sudden some of my followers say, shut up, Francis, stay in your area of expertise. <laughs> no, I haven't. Um, okay. Because I explicitly started this as a non-travel thing, which is another reason why I launched it as a, a separate thing. And, um, I, I, you know, it hasn't been a 100% you know, the audience hasn't carried over a hundred percent. Some people just don't 
listen to podcasts and some maybe they'll try it and they just daily show is too much for them. You know, even my mom and a lot of my, my best friends, they don't listen to it every day because it's such a, my theory was, is that you only can devote so much time per week to a show. And either that's going to come in one chunk in a weekly show where it's like, you know, an hour roughly. So it's, it's approximately 10 minutes a day, or you can just split that time up seven ways like I did. So it ends up being about the same amount of time as you would commit to a, a weekly show. Yeah, no, that that's a fair assumption. I would agree. And and the way I just handle your show is I just look at the title and, and maybe the description, but usually just the title. And if it looks intriguing, I download it. And I'm like, well, it takes me seven minutes, eight minutes to listen to it. And, it, and I'm almost never, ever disappointed. I mean, I always find everything that you, you cover interesting and fascinating because I guess I'm one of those curious people like you're, you're talking about. But I guess, you know, some people with me, if I start talking about other issues that are not travel related people will say hey no but i i think everything is travel related in a way because the hotels and the flights if you look at most travel media let me back up a second if if you look at what areas are most popular online or what are the most popular for blogging and podcasting you have sports politics celebrity gossip technology um, and what, what, and there are some other things as well, but with all those having news comments, politics, yeah, 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 news, yeah, politics, yeah, they change every day. There's always a new game. There's mm-hmm. some scandal, whatever in the news for politics, someone's sleeping with who someone's dating someone in celebrity gossip. There's a new iPhone always going to come out. Some, something new is happening. Nothing new happens in travel, right? It's mm-hmm. not like, Oh, this brand new country just got created. Let's, you know, that, that doesn't happen. You know, at best, there's, oh, they built a new hotel. You know, you you probably get a lot of these press releases. It's it's all boring stuff. And so what we end up talking about is flights and hotels, which is an important part of travel. I'm not trying to dismiss it, but let's face it. We don't travel so we can fly. We don't, oh, I really got to stay in a hotel. You know, I've been telling people, Mm -hmm. if, if all you care about is flying, get an uncomfortable chair, put it in a closet. (laughs) <laughs> Eat a TV dinner and sit there for eight hours. That's flying. No, we do that stuff to go do other cool stuff. And that's why I traveled to begin with, right? Is to go to these places and do these cool things. And that's why I went to World Heritage Sites. Because you could learn something um, when you went. And, and that was why I did it. And so this is, at least for me thematically, the same as travel. Uh I'm not, you know, in, in some of the episodes, you know, I will get into you can actually go and, and visit this thing or this place, but it's ultimately about learning. So that's what it's always been for me. And I never was the budget discount travel guy or points and miles, uh, which is focusing on the minutia of how to travel, but ignores the, the question of why travel. Right. And I agree. And I think that... Uh you're obviously a very curious traveler and that means that you go out there and you try to absorb as much as you can. How is this going to affect, uh, affect your photography? Because you're huge, uh, photographer, you've won lots of awards, you're self-taught, but you've done some great stuff. Uh, I don't know. It, you're just, <laughs> okay. Because you're going to, I'm just thinking as you're traveling, you got to post photos, you got to, you know, that takes time. You got to go to Lightroom. You got to do this. It's it's just, I don't know how you juggle it all, Gary. You're amazing. <laughs> well, photography, here's the thing. It's, it's, it's not like anybody was paying me to take photos, right? It, it's just something I did because I had a website and social media, and I, I think I got pretty good at it. But travel is something that I've been doing for a while. And prior to travel, I always kind of did something completely new every four years in my life started a brand new business, did a different thing, went back to school in my 30s to study geology and stuff. Um, and it's been a while since I kind of reinvented myself. And I think I'm I'm due for it. And I think I'm, I'm pretty comfortable with this. I haven't taken a photo since February. You know, wow. I haven't even taken the camera out. And so I don't... What is your camera, by the way? The Sony a7R II is what I'm currently using. Oh, that's a nice phone. But, you know, I don't self-identify necessarily as a photographer. It's not, you know, 
it's just something I, I kind of got good at. And, and now I'm trying to become good at this. So, and yeah. I, I think there's something also to be said of starting over from square one, because this experience has reminded me a lot of when I was running my website back in 2007, 2008. You know, I haven't looked at the stats on my website in ages. I just don't care. But with my podcast, I'm doing it every day, like several times a day, looking at download numbers and stuff like that. Because when you start at zero, the numbers are so small that a small, you know, especially when you're posting every day, if I get a brand new listener and they go and download all the back catalog, that shows up on the stats at this point. Uh, so I, I don't say I'm starting from square one. I've been telling, saying I've been starting from square two. And it's, you know, because I, I do have an audience that I've been able to use to, to get things going. But it's, um, yeah, it, it's been kind of fun because you're, it, the, the, the joy of launching something new is something I haven't had for a while. What were some of your one or two most popular downloads so far? You've done about, I think, 40 episodes. I can't. Remember. I record number 50 today. So. Okay, got it. So, uh, which one? Which oh, ones have been the most popular one? Uh, has been spikes. about uh, Alan Francis, the world's greatest horseshoe pitcher. Um, I don't know what happened. That must have got shared with with some horseshoe community or something. <clears throat> but that that one by far has been the uh, biggest download so far. That is so weird because I didn't actually listen to that one. I confess. <laughs> well, no, the topic and the, the genesis of it came from a. a answer I gave on Quora. And the question was, who is the most dominant athlete of all time? Not the greatest athlete, but the most dominant. Yeah. And I remember yeah. reading this article in the New York Times about this guy who was like the greatest horseshoe pitcher. And he had won, as of right now, he's won 24 world championships. And the only reason he has... Oh, he's a, still alive. What? He's still alive? Yeah, I think he just turned 50. Okay. Um, so he's like just crushed his competition. He won his first championship in 1989. So if they hadn't canceled the world championships this year, he would have won a world championship now in five decades. And there aren't many sports where you even can be dominant for that long, right? Right. Horseshoe pitching, you can you can be good probably until he's in his 60s. Um, but I, I can't, and I, I, I looked. I looked at like all obscure sports, darts, snooker squash and there i found people there who were you know like the world's greatest and usually there's someone who is you know widely recognized everyone will just say yeah this person is the greatest ever um but i i haven't found anything that compares to his dominance in men's horseshoes that's amazing uh <laughs> tell us uh, uh, let's leave us with uh two or three or four of the upcoming episodes that you have not released yet but their titles or subjects oh i i i think of these every day so this is literally a just-in-time thing um well there's the roanoke colony like i mentioned um mm -hmm. some of the other things uh one on the bronze bronze age collapse which is a period a really important period of human history that a lot of people just don't know about where most of the major civilizations in the eastern mediterranean basically all at once just kind of disappeared um mm -hmm. Sorry to interrupt there, but there's that, I, th I want to say Tonga explosion, but I'm Tung uh, I think Tunguska it's a event in Russia. No, not that, not that oh, one. The Sorry. Toba explosion. Uh, the Toba explosion, which was Indonesia. Yeah. Where humanity literally almost died. Yeah. Out. That was, that was a couple tens of thousands of years ago. Right. I think it was 80,000 years ago, if I'm correct. Yeah, Maybe I'm, but it was I'm a that, really but... big explosion. And there's been several events like that where there's been volcanic eruptions that have cooled the planet. Uh, there was one around the Plague of Justinian, which is another episode uh, I've lined up. Uh, I have one that looks at who would the emperor of Rome be today. And this ties into that first episode I had about the Byzantine Empire, that when they fell the lineage of who the emperor would be actually stayed alive. And there's several people that would be claimants today of that title directly from the last Byzantine emperor. Uh, one is the king of Spain. Uh, one would be the person who's the current head of the Ottoman family that got dethroned in Turkey. Uh, so there's a couple different people that could claim that. Um, one is on Norman Borlaug, who was a Nobel Peace Prize winner. 
for uh, developing strains of wheat to, to help feed people. One, I explain the process of electing a new pope. Uh, you know, the papacy is an institution that's been around for a really long time. Almost, you know, if you think about it, it's hard to find another institution that has survived as long as the papacy. And one of the interesting things that I, that, uh, I mean, it's changed over time, but one of the thing, you know, if you look in the past, whether it's, it's, you know, various monarchies, uh, primogenitor and, and passing things down from one generation to the next almost always fails eventually. Right, because you get the dim-witted kid who takes over, and they screw everything up, and then the monarchy ends. And what the papacy did is, it's it's obviously non, you know, heretical because or they don't have kids, but you choose a set of people who then chooses the leader, and that's what the uh, uh, Holy Roman Empire did. Although it ended up devolving just into something hereditary. Um, but this idea, and I've even thought of like, you know, if you had a science fiction book, you know, because a lot of things like if you were to create an institution that was to exist for a long period of time, what would that institution look like? And I don't think it's, you know, even as something that's a democracy, eventually you reach some point where things kind of go off the rails and they don't tend to last that long. But anyways, that's a, that's a whole different, um, yeah. the last man on the moon, uh, Gene Cernan. Everyone talks yeah, about the first Gene. man on the moon. This is about the last right. man on the moon and also about whether or not another person will walk on the moon before the last moonwalker dies. So will humanity mm -hmm. go through a period where we don't have someone amongst our ranks who walked on the moon? Um, I thought, weren't the Chinese supposed to land a person on the they, moon in the next five years? They were talking about it, but I don't know what the, the status is. Uh, I have one in the history of ketchup. Um, which is really interesting because it can actually trace its roots back to uh, Roman fish sauce called garum, uh, which is, um, I also have some geography ones, one about the U S Canadian border. Uh, there's all sorts of little weird things about it. Uh, it looks relatively straight along the 49th parallel, but the actual border deviates from that by about 300 meters North or South because they just had a hard time building a straight line, uh, when they actually did it. Um, interesting. Point Nemo and the various point, poles of inaccessibility. Point Nemo is the... Sorry to interrupt, but there, there was a... Uh, speaking about borders, there's a book I read about why the states are shaped like they are. The United States, uh, 50 states. Yeah, and, there was a cable show. that's fascinating. About that. Uh, the every, oh, I didn't know. Yeah. Okay. Like, you know, the Four Corners uh, area. Yeah. Yeah. That's actually, now that they checked it with GPS, it's off by like several hundred yards. Uh, where the Four Corners Monument actually is. Uh, <laughs> and there's a lot of examples like that where the surveying they did from like the 19th century is close but not quite. Yeah, there's probably a lot of places that mark the equator that are actually not on the equator. Oh, that's actually true. So if you go to the big monument outside of Quito in Ecuador, where they, they created <laughs> this 19th century one, the actual equator now is like 100 meters north of it. I mean, they did a pretty right. good job. And, and some guy just built his own little thing there and he makes all the money now because that's people want to go to the actual <laughs> equator and because they can check it on their phone. <laughs> that's so funny. That's crazy. Um, there's a you should do an episode about uh, seafaring where there's a there's this one. Uh, I remember uh, like a royal or monarch family that bought an oil rig and created a country or at least oh, tried to. You, you know, the sea land. Yeah. Thank you. So no, we uh, we just talked about that on This Week in Travel about like micronations. And I also had something, this was one of my ideas for my original show, the long form show, was on Polynesian navigators. When I first started traveling, that's where I spent like the first six months was, was going through the Pacific. And having been to these islands, you know, you have a lot of respect for these people that basically went and dug out canoes and traveled thousands of miles of open ocean. And you also have to remember a lot of this was done in the Southern Hemisphere and there's no North Star in the Southern Hemisphere. So the one thing that a lot of like European and Asian navigators had to orientate themselves, they did not have the Polynesians, which, which kind of even makes it more impressive. So are you suggesting, Gary, did I hear you right that you may be traveling a whole lot less, that this is like chapter whatever, 17 of Gary's life? 
and that you may just kind of hang up your hat more or less and just focus on this other aspect? Well, I'm still going to keep traveling. Uh, the question is to what end and how much, um, that I don't know because I mean, we're, we're, I'm not at a point now where I can even start planning stuff. Um, I'm waiting. I've been putting off. I'm going to probably run several tours next year, three or four. Um, probably the first one will be in, in Q2 of next year. So I'm still going to be doing that. I'm still going to be doing a travel newsletter, like I said. So I'm not divorcing myself from the travel industry. Um, and those tours are based of G-Adventures? I'll probably be using them for the initial ones at least, yeah, to, to have them do the back end. But it won't necessarily be branded or labeled a, a G-Adventures tour. Um, but it's just... It, from you know, it's just easier to have someone run the tour for you than trying to do everything yourself and trying to find the hotel rooms and arrange transportation. And I think I may, and and because I have the podcast, I'll be able to promote the tours on the show as well. And one of the things I've I've been thinking of doing is is normally it would be like a photography tour, to just run some of these tours in Italy, or some, you know, someplace in Europe, where we can go to some of the stuff and maybe we do a traditional Rome. Florence, Venice type trip, uh, but we kind of put a really different spin on it because there's a lot of really cool, weird places you can go in Rome that no one visits. Uh, the palace, Nero's palace, which actually the word Colosseum comes from the fact that it was built where there was a gigantic statue of Nero built called the Colossus. And that's where Colosseum comes from. Uh, he built this enormous palace which was the largest building ever constructed uh, in, in antiquity that all got destroyed but there's still part of it that remains and it was discovered i think in like the 1940s or something and you can uh, go visit part of that but again almost no one ever does and there's all sorts of this kind of stuff that you can do and see in rome and 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 florence that are kind of like most people just don't know what's there or they don't think to, to go look at it. So I think you can kind of have a, a tour built around some of this stuff that might be kind of fun and interesting. Definitely. Wow. Exciting chapter, new, new information, new stuff. Uh, I really encourage everybody to go to their podcast player and type in everything everywhere daily and subscribe to Gary Arndt's new show. And it's really entertaining. You don't have to download every single episode. Yeah, you uh, should. Okay. <laughs> Actually, I was thinking of putting like a, a, you know how there's always a readme file when you download a new application to create like a, re a listen to me show that explains how it works. Because I think the shows, a lot of people will tend to always listen or, or read what's familiar. And it's the shows that you, you, you may look at the title and like, what in the world is this? or maybe I'm not interested in that stuff, is the stuff that you'll probably learn the most from. Because if it is out of your wheelhouse, like, you know, I, I occasionally am doing stuff about sports. Um, you know, whether it's Yeah, just, like the boxing show, you talked about all the different classifications right. of boxing. And some people I mean, just like may not all be the, into sports, and that's fine. What is it, like 6,000 different uh, championships? Worldwide, if you include every weight class, every boxing organization, global, national, regional. Yeah, there's like 6,000 different boxing titles available in the world. <laughs> you and I could get one. <laughs> Almost. There probably is one. You know, there's. I bet there's a state of California championship or a title. Uh, right. You know, maybe an amateur one or something like that. Um, right. Yeah, there's, there's lots of them. But yeah, but the point is, is that I think it is important that to get out of your echo chamber and if you have some topic that is doesn't seem interesting to you to just listen to it and you might find it fascinating yeah and I, you know i listen to my own show and i listen to it at double speed which is how i listen to all my podcasts so the shows Me take too. even less time so you can certainly right. um you know listen to it that way if you want but yeah basically it's i i built it for uh for curious people and uh, there's also a Patreon account that I've created that, that goes with it. So you can get um, hoodies and T-shirts and stuff like that. And, and one of the things I may do, I, I probably wouldn't do this for at least a year. Um, a lot of the very successful Patreon accounts for podcasts will put like half the episodes are available only to patrons. And right. 
one thing I could conceivably do in the future is maybe just make like the weekend episodes available to, to patrons over there. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. It's, it's, it is definitely, I think the success of a Patreon, I have a Patreon as well, uh, that I think it has to do with um, what kind of rewards people get. I think actually people do gravitate. Yes. There's a certain, those, those, that huge fan that will just send you money and support just because they love everything you do. But I think there's that there's a bigger base of people who would do that support if they thought the reward was kind of cool. Oh, um, so you may have noticed that at the end of my show, I always have an executive producer. That's a Patreon reward. So I literally set that up and I thought nobody would do it for $100 a month. You'll be named as executive producer on every show. And someone did it. Uh, and, but I, there's only one of those available and I have two like associate producer slots and, and things like that. So the rewards are, are, are useful. And I think it does motivate some people. Excellent. Well, Gary, always a pleasure to talk with you and, uh, stay safe, virus free and, uh, keep making those podcasts for everybody. I will definitely do that. Thanks. And that concludes this episode of the wander learn podcast, where we explore travel technology and transformation. If you'd like to see the show notes with links to what we talked about, or if you'd like to comment on the show, or if you'd like to ask me a question, then go to wanderlearn.com and click on this episode. If you'd like to connect with me, just remember FTAPON. That's my first initial and my last name. FTAPON is the username I use on all social media. You can also get to my website by going to ftapon.com. And here's one last reason to remember FTAPON. If you like what I do and would like to get rewarded for supporting my projects, then go to patreon.com slash ftapon. That's where you can pick up some remarkable rewards for as little as $2 a month. And now for five quick favors. Number one, subscribe to the Wander Learn podcast. Two, download it. Three, share it. Four, review it somewhere. And five, sign up for my newsletter at wanderlearn.com. Our theme music was composed by Eric Stratman. This is Francis Tapon encouraging you to wander and 